This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. It's Rugby Rantabanta, episode 153. Hi Sheddies, Eddie Stevens here. I am crawling lethargically back into your ear holes at 10.52am. That's my time. What is my time though? Where am I? Well, I'm back in New Mexico. I was in the UK for a, for a couple of weeks, um, but things did not go exactly as planned. Now, a lot of Sheddies will already know from my incessant whinging and whining on social media that British Airways, who... We didn't even buy our tickets through, but I will get into that later. British Airways managed to lose our our luggage. We were flying out of Texas. I say I say we. Uh, it's my girlfriend and I. Um, still my girlfriend. Amazingly, after the stress we went through and and the inevitable bickering that ensued, um, they lost our luggage in Texas. Uh, we did not. We 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 landed in London Heathrow, stood at the luggage carousel for two hours, no luggage to be seen. Now let me tell you, I've travelled many many times internationally over the years. I've never had my luggage lost before. But we go up to the bitches at British Airways counter. They are not apologetic. They don't really give a shit. They hand us a uh, a form to fill out, um, with. Uh, no explanation as to where the luggage was. And, you know, I'm not going to make this a whole podcast of me complaining about luggage, but the short story is it took eight days for us to get our luggage. And that's in a two week vacation. Uh, now I can handle, I had it. We both had backpacks. I had enough clothes to just be a dirty skank for eight days. But of course the problem was we did not know when we were going to get our luggage. If ever, we started to think we weren't ever going to receive it. Um, uh, customer service with British Airways is basically non-existent. They couldn't tell us where it was. They couldn't tell us when we were going to get it. And uh, my girlfriend lost her mind. Uh, you know, I don't think it's sexist to say girls do not handle travel stress as well as men. And um, it was quite difficult for us. But it's understandable. She was missing. She wanted to look... Hot as fuck for all my friends. I don't know why. That's concerning me now to think about. But um, she didn't have all her fancy clothes and stuff. So I did a quick shop, bought about 200 quids worth of clothes. Um, but I was on a tight budget, a fixed budget. You know, my crazy rock and roll lifestyle drains my wallet. To be honest with you, I couldn't really afford this trip. Um, so I'm buying these clothes, necessities, toiletries, things like that not even knowing if I'm going to be reimbursed. And I was on, as I said, I pretty much planned on every penny that I would spend. And now I'm 200 quid um, over budget. And uh, to make matters worse, my girlfriend had one pair of shoes, didn't want to buy new shoes just in case we didn't get reimbursed. So she was walking around in these boots that have basically crippled her now. I've already talked about this too much, but I do want to say it was just a nightmare because at the end of the trip, the whole reason I went to, to England was for the Mall Over Interna in Invitational, which is a charity rugby match, which was not going to happen already, by the way. By the time I got there, we it was clear we weren't having this rugby match. But nevertheless, I wanted to go down to Cornwall. I wanted to meet up with the Mall Over Rugby podcast guys and some sheddies slash 
Mallover fans slash uh, rugby brethren. And um, there's a couple of issues that happen. First of all, as it's getting the time to travel to Cornwall is becoming more and more, getting closer and closer, and and the time to go is is imminent. I start realizing two things. One, I did not prepare properly. I overestimated um, the ease of travel in the UK. And by the time I started looking at trains to Cornwall, planes to Cornwall, donkey rides to Cornwall, it was all basically starting to become impossible. The uh, In order to get down, I was only planning on traveling down to Cornwall and spending a couple of days there and then flying home. But when I started looking at the train rides, there's no way we could get to the airport, London Heathrow, in time for our flight. So then I started looking at flights. Those were really expensive. I started panicking and thinking, well, maybe I can just put out kind of like raise an alert, send out an SOS, see if anyone traveling down there, whatever. I was coming up with all sorts of plans to try and get down there. But I started getting to a point where it just started seeming like more trouble than it was worth as much as I wanted to go. And I started thinking, so a lot of the other, a lot of the rugby brethren that were supposed to be meeting in Cornwall had started to pull out already. They were dropping like flies. Brother Matthew um, had to pull out because his cousin had died. And you know what? If I'm totally honest with you, when he said his cousin died, I didn't believe him. No, I did. I believed him, but I thought that's a good excuse. Maybe I should just say somebody died as well so I can get out of it. But then I didn't. I chose not to because A, don't want to lie. B, Brother Matthew already used that lie. And C, I once, I don't know if I've ever told you about this, I once uh, used the death of a relative to get myself out of work when I was very young. I was about 19 and I worked at uh, the, 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 the little town I'm from, the little island I'm from in Essex. I worked very briefly at a bakery and I didn't want, I wanted to get out of working. And so I decided to tell them that, that my grandmother had died. Um, it was quite an elaborate scheme. The way I did this, I had a friend call them pretending to be my dad. It's pretty pathetic, but I was, I was actually 18, I think. Um, not that that's a really good excuse, but the problem was because this was a local bakery and my grandmother, my, my grandmother lived on the Island. I found out that the, uh, the manager that my friend had spoken to knew my grandmother very well and was very upset to hear that she had passed away. So then I was kind of fucked because I was like, well, I probably have to come clean or, you know, it's going to be a nightmare. And so in the end, I had no choice but to kill my grandmother, you know, because I needed to, I really didn't want to go to work. So, and it was a good excuse. Anyway, not important at all. She's dead now. Get over it. Um, as it happened, one thing I didn't, I don't think I even told any of the brethren this um, in our little Twitter chat. I was ill from the day I got there. I was feeling really rough and um, I, I still not feeling great, to be honest with you, but it never got to the point where I was bedridden. But the day before we were supposed to try and get down to Cornwall, my girlfriend got what I had, presumably, and was in, in bed all day. And I, and, and it was, it was bad enough that I couldn't see any justification for forcing her to travel to Cornwall. Um, so it was just one thing after another, and it just got to the point where it was just too much. So I had to cancel my trip to Cornwall. So the whole trip was for nothing. Um, although I did have a lovely time in my hometown, hanging out with uh, all my old friends. A uh, little side note, lovely little moment. A uh, friend of mine, Pete 
Pete Lamarckwind is a rugby coach in the UK. And uh, as we're driving, he's driving us around and he tells me that he occasionally works with um, Northampton, which is my, you know, I'm the world's worst Northampton Saints fan. And he says he works, he's worked with Sam Vesti and stuff. And I got excited. And I said, well, how can I benefit from this? What, what's in it for me now? This connection. And he said, um, <coughs> excuse me. He says, well, I, I, I could probably get you some, uh, some fucking uh, shirts and shit. That's how he talks. Probably get you some fucking shirts and shit, some, some stash. I was like, okay, do it. Um, and the next day he gave me a lovely Saints shirt and very warm, very stylish Saints coat. And that was the highlight of my trip, to be honest with you. I love that stash. Um, and it was like, it was basically the trip was 50% fantastic and lovely and 50% extremely stressful. But, um, I don't know if that's interesting to you or not, but it is at least some sort of, some sort of explanation for why I've been absent for two weeks. Oh, also my podcasting equipment, i.e. my microphone and my laptop were packed in my luggage. So I didn't get them till day eight. And there's no way I was going to have time or energy to do a podcast in those last few days. Not with my girlfriend in the mood she was in. Um, she wasn't that bad. I'm throwing her under the bus. The whole thing was stressful. So anyway, I'm doing it now. What more do you want from me? For fuck's sake. It's Rugby Ranta Banter, episode 153. Let's go. Okay, so shut up a second and listen to me. Um, I'm going to talk a bit about this weekend's rugby. Um, it's um, pretty incompetently because I'm still very jet lagged slash um, sick, ill. I'm, uh, do you know, I feel I, for the last few days I've just felt hungover and I haven't drank a drop of alcohol. So I watched all the rugby in kind of a daze. But I probably have a fair few things to say. You know, I'm realizing there's, I've heard rumors. Normally, before I start the podcast, I've uh, checked the headlines and stuff and found out what the fuck's going on. But I've heard some rumors about, um, oh, sorry, I just went to the BBC rugby page and saw some very interesting news. But I've heard rumors of things that have pissed me off. One of them being that uh, Lewis Ludlam is out of the England squad and has been replaced by. Robinson, somebody Robinson from Newcastle. I vaguely remember a Robinson, but this really should be, I need to get the whole Eddie versus Eddie segment back because I'm starting to, it's happening again. My, my, my loathing and hatred for Eddie Jones is starting to come back because this is a classic dumb shit, nonsensical Eddie Jones thing to do. There are so many good back rowers that could have been brought into the squad. Um, Robinson, I don't see, I don't see, uh, I don't see a single thing, a single um, thing on the BBC rugby page about that call up, but that doesn't surprise me because they're fucking shit, aren't they? Um, they'll just be, they probably got something about a, um, a female rugby player who's upset because she didn't get her professional contract renewed um, at the expense of multiple people losing their jobs. Anyway, um, what I will be doing instead of a whole Eddie versus Eddie segment, because I'm I'm really 
cramped for time, by the way. I'm a, I've got to finish this podcast. I've got to edit it, release it. I've got to pick up my son. Uh, I almost said from the airport. I've got that stuck in my head. My son's nine years old. He's not traveling. He's not a jet setter yet. I've got to pick him up from school and then get some shit done before I go to work in my, in my shithole job. Um, so I don't have time to edit. But let's just say that this entire episode will have snippets of Eddie versus Eddie because there's a few uh, performances that I've seen over the weekend that made me angry with Eddie Jones because of his weird tendency to pick players who aren't performing well and then once they start to perform well, drop them. Hang on a second. I need to angrily sip some coffee. My God. I'm just looking at the headlines. Is England playing Argentina this Sunday? Are you serious? Because I haven't looked at any rugby for the last couple of weeks because I've just been too busy in the UK. Um, they fucking are. Unbelievable. All right. That's great. Um, we'll see what kind of stupid team. Oh, let's see. Smith Farrell Tuolangi access to take on Pumas. I don't, you know what, Manu Tuolangi better be fucking tearing up trees in England training, because when's the last time you saw him have a good game? When's the last time you saw him stand out in any way in a game? He's, if you, if it weren't for his reputation, which by the way, don't get me wrong, Manu, Manu Tuolangi is one of England's all-time greats. He has single-handedly won matches for us. He is a legend. But when was the last time you saw him even just impress in any way? I can't remember. Um, let's see. Uh, God. So the so the Smith Farrell axis. I have said before. I, I I still I'm okay with it. I know a lot of people don't like it. Um, I'm just not sure when I when I think of other options alternatives. It's hard for me to come up with one that is significantly better. I don't know if it works. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I'm not inspired with Manu at 13. I kind of hope he just has a terrible, boring, quiet game. And then, well, no, that, that, that means Eddie Jones will keep him in the team. Well, Eddie Jones will, will select him regardless of form. Whether he plays well or he plays bad, he'll be in the team. Anyway, I got sidetracked. I wasn't going to talk about that yet. Um, let me just go over the matches that I watched. Now, there's a match that I that I don't have notes on, but I know I watched and I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, I'll figure it out in a minute, but I do want to talk about Northampton versus Bristol because um, two things, Bristol are in big trouble. Um, I've said before that I think they can still, they can still come good, but now I'm not so sure because, well, it's tricky, isn't it? Because the thing about saints is they're infuriating. Um, they can put in these incredible performances and then they can put in terrible performances like they did the week before. Um, but you know what it is actually? Northampton Saints are the most, probably have the most exciting attack in the Premiership. And when they go up against teams that aren't, you know, first class in defense, they can cause them nightmares. Um, and they look brilliant. The problem is when they go up against a really good defense, they have nothing and they're not great defensively themselves. In fact, this match, I don't remember what the final score was, but they slipped back, didn't they? they Northampton had a, had a huge lead and were completely dominant and Bristol did come back into it. Um, a few notes though, Alex Mitchell, 
on form should be the England scrum half. I know he won't be. I can't even... He is in the squad, but... um, He's the best scrum half in the Premiership. English scrum half in the Premiership, at least. I can't think of any... I'm trying to think who else there is that's not English, but... He's definitely the best performing scrum half in the Premiership right now, and I include Rafi Quirk in that. I think Rafi Quirk might have more potential, but Alex Mitchell's talent is undeniable. But I think what counts against him is he does look like Earthworm Jim. Now, I know no one's agreed with me on this, but look up Earthworm Jim, and you get that kind of vibe when you look at Alex Mitchell. Even to the point that Earthworm Jim, if you don't know, was a computer game for, I think it was on the Sega... Ooh, interesting little side note. In England, it was called the Sega Mega Drive, but in the US, the Sega Genesis. Don't ask me why. Um, that's one of those infuriating things is that when I tell an American, they go, <laughs> Mega Drive, that's so stupid. And then when I tell an Englishman, they go, <laughs> that's so stupid, fucking Genesis. Um, and somehow I feel like I'm being attacked every time from both ends. Anyway, what I was going to say is if you look at Alex Mitchell naked, which I have, um, <laughs> just kidding, but without a shirt, which I have, it, his head and neck don't really match his body. He's got quite an athletic-looking body, and then this weird, nerdy worm of a neck and a face. And I'm, I know I'm being very cruel right now. He's not horrible-looking. He just has this cartoonish kind of quality to the way he looks, and it reminds me of Earthworm Jim. That's what I was going to say: is that Earthworm Jim was a computer game on the Mega Drive slash Genesis, maybe uh, the the um, Super Nintendo um as well it was a worm in a bodysuit and the bodysuit made him really powerful and that's kind of what i think of when i look at alex mitchell but that's not the point the point is i think if he looked less like earthworm jim he might be higher on eddie jones's radar because eddie jones is a fucking moron who um whose mind works in insane ways and if somebody looks like manu Tuolangi, he'll keep picking him um a few other things i noticed mikey haywood at saints I feel like should have had more. It's He's been in and out of the team recently, so it's perhaps a bad time to say this, but I feel like he's an underrated hooker because what he has is if you were to look at, if he was um in a you know computer game or top trumps or something and you had stats for everything, sort of speed, power, defense, scrummaging, etc., none of his stats would be super high, but they'd all be good. He's a very good all-round hooker, is a, is a more sensible way of saying that. Um, unfortunately, I think at the at the top level, in internationals, every team wants a hooker that is physically um, destructive with the ball in hand. Jamie George just popped into my head. He is good with the ball in hand, but he's actually good. He's another all-round high-stats player. He just does everything a bit better than Mikey Haywood. So I, I'm not, not sure I, why I mentioned Mikey Haywood now, except that I made a note of it when I was watching the game, and I'm stupid. Um, watch Finn Smith make his debut. Oh, God, that was annoying. That's how Tim Cocker from Egg Chasers always says it, and I just I just stole his essence for a second there. Pathetic. Um, Finn Smith at Saints. i got to say, I thought he was fine. I know it was his first game, but as I said, I think on the last episode, um, I've never seen him do anything spectacular, ever. And he came into Saints, a very dominant Saints performance, at least for big parts of the match, and the back line was firing nicely. But would they not have been firing nicely had James uh, Grayson been playing 10? 
I doubt it. I think they'd have done just as well. I've seen James Grayson play better than than I've ever seen Finn Smith play. Now, I know a lot of people, everybody seems to think that Finn Smith is the fucking, this prodigal son. I just don't see it. I see it in Charlie Atkinson. Charlie Atkinson is fucking dynamite. But I've not seen Finn Smith do anything except play well. Um, I've also seen him play quite badly. James Grayson, on the other hand, uh, they're very similar. Very similar in terms of talent and ability. But hopefully, Finn Smith will prove me wrong, and he will play great for Saints, and also England one day. I just don't see it happening. Especially when you've got great fly halves around, like Owen Farrell, Marcus Smith, George Ford, and of course, Charlie Atkinson. Um, and there's probably somebody, one or two other players I'd put ahead of Finn Smith. I'm just, I can't think of them right now. Um, my fucking phone turned off and I've got my notes on it. Hang on a second. Sorry if I'm making a lot of bashing and crackling noises. I'm holding the microphone like it's an ice cream. I've had it shoved against my face. So sorry if it's, if the sound quality has been weird. Um, oh, Rory Hutchinson. Uh, every time I see Rory Hutch- Hutchinson play, it's just another reminder of what we lost. Rory Hutchinson and Nick Tompkins at Saracens, who bizarrely some of my rugby brethren think is shit. I don't know. I'm talking to you, all of you people in my Twitter group chat who are saying that, that Nick Tompkins is a shit player. I don't know what you've been watching. I don't know what more a player can do to show you that he's good than what Tim Tom, Tim Tom, uh, Nick Tompkins does week after week after week. He is outstand, outstanding in every aspect. I just don't understand it. And it's not a flaw in my thinking. It's a flaw in yours. You are wrong, and I am right. And if you disagree, say something now. Your silence speaks volumes. I heard nothing. So we're all agreed he's really good. But Rory Hutchinson as well. Such a talent with the ball in hand and good in defense. I think it's 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 almost more offensive to me that Rory Hutchinson isn't involved with England because in the case of Nick Tompkins, I think he just wasn't getting selected. So he got an offer from Wales and he took it. And it's sort of understandable. But I feel like Rory Hutchinson chose Scotland because he played for them at age grade level. And surely these players would rather be playing for England, right? I'm, I'm, and when I say these players, I mean English men who could be getting more money and more respect playing for England. And I also include um, Reese Zammett in that. Like, how Welsh is he? Did his dad play for Wales? I can't remember, but he sounds English. He has presumably never lived in Wales. I shouldn't talk about this, actually, because I don't know. But does he? is he glad he plays for Wales? And look, I'm not shitting on Wales as a rugby team. I respect them more than most English fans do. I really like the Welsh. I like Welsh rugby. I like the Welsh rugby team. I think they're, they, um, they produce a lot of talent and, um, probably overachieve, um, in the same way that Australia have done uh, historically. Um, but if you're Reese Zammett and you're at the point where you probably would be in most people's world 15s, um, at least people living in the Northern Hemisphere, who see him regularly. Um, wouldn't he rather be playing for England? Presumably, presumably he'd get a lot more money. Um, probably win a bit more, although I'd probably need to check the our, the two teams' track records over the uh, since Reece Zammett's been playing for Wales. Um, 
I want to know. I want to know if he if he regrets playing for Wales. I think he should. But anyway, Rory Hutchinson is such a special talent. I love seeing him, him play. Uh, it was also interesting to see uh, Will Porter sneak on for uh, Bristol. Um, the Will Porter, of course, being one of Wasps's many outstanding scrum halves. Now Bristol have a huge um, pool of talent at nine because they got little Harry Randall, whose candle is uh, snuffed out temporarily. Um, but then Andy Uren, uh, sorry, Andy Uren, we can't call him Uren, Uren, um, who is also a phenomenal talent. And now Will Porter, who who was pretty damn good at, at Wasps. So they got some good depth there. Not that it's doing them much good at the moment. That's all I have to say about that match. Let's, let's move on to Harlequins versus London Irish. Now, I know there was a lot of controversy at the end of this match for a, um, for a penalty that I think Harlequins got. Uh, but I can't, re- I, I, I heard people talking about it. I read people talking about it. I do remember when the penalty was given. I know it was like for a, a collision in the mid, in mid, mid air. And when the referee said to play on, I yelled, what? And then I think it was Ugo Monye, sec- milliseconds after, went, what? Um, so I suppose if I was to re, I'd have to rewatch it, but I do think that I was surprised that the offender. So I'm remembering now, I think it was Charlie Matthews collided with a Bristol player in the air. And it looked to me, reckless and that he took him out but i need to rewatch it to be absolutely certain ultimately i don't give a shit but what a crazy game it was um what a crazy ending to the game i just want to say really quickly those two london irish wingers <sighs> i don't want to say they should be in the england squad because it's impossible with wing there's so many good wingers in the premiership i wish i could have all of them in the england squad all of the talented talented wingers i see out there but ben loader and Ollie Hassel Collins, particularly Ben Loder in this match, just look like the best wing partnership in the Premiership this season. And it's not luck. They look physically incredible, but also technically incredible. I would love to see those two playing for England. You know, but there's a bunch of other wingers um that I want to see playing for England too. So it's, I, I'm, this is not an Eddie versus Eddie moment. I don't think it's absurd and stupid that they're not in the England squad, but I do think if I were England coach, uh, which I may be one day, um, I would, I would definitely have those two in my squad. And then I'd have to figure out who, which of my faves I'd had to leave out. But I'll tell you something else. Um, if Caden Murley, speaking of wingers and in the England team, Caden Murley from Quinn's, um, is in the England squad. I remember hearing a while ago that Caden Murley was the fastest player in the Quinn squad. And if that's true, so this is tricky. I do want to quickly say that I was hyping up Caden Murley before anyone else that I've heard. I remember, and you can check the archives of Rugby Ranta Banter if you want to, but it'll take you a fucking long time to find it. I don't recommend it. But a long time ago, I remember hyping him up and saying one day he'd play for England. Now everybody loves him. He's in the England squad. And I've started to be less convinced. 
Um, and to my point, I was trying to make, if he's the fastest player in the, in the Quinn squad, I think they might have a lack of pace in that Quinn squad. And it kind of explains why they brought in Josh Bassett from Wasps, which seemed like a weird idea because they have a lot of good wingers, good back three players at Quinn's. Maybe their issue was they needed a speedster and Josh Bassett is pretty fast. Um, looks like a greyhound, built like a greyhound. That wasn't a comment on his penis and you probably didn't think it was. So I wish I hadn't said that, but it's too late. I'm in too deep. That also is not a comment on penises. Um, God damn it. Um, but yeah, Ben Loder, first of all, put in an immense tackle on Andre Esthazen, which, um, you just don't see often. Then later he took, there was that high ball he took out of David's, I've forgotten his first name, but last name David's, uh, who, by the way, David, pretty snazzy player for Quinns, but possibly defensively a bit weak because I saw him miss a few tackles. But anyway, there was that moment when Ben Loder, uh, leapt through the air and took the ball out of David's hands. Um, it was incredible. Uh, but, 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 but. That's that's it. That's all I have to say about this. I'm running out of time. Let's move on. Saracens versus Sale. I just finished that this morning. And it was one of those matches. I don't know if you do this. I was watching it in bed and I started drifting off. And I'm not sure how much of it I sort of slept through. But I do know that Sale, for the first, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes, maybe a bit less, they looked by far the better side. But then, out of nowhere, Alex Good just... just um suddenly looked faster than everyone on the pitch. Got the ball and just tore through and left everyone for, in his dust. It was incredible. Um, that sort of, that didn't sw- like change the tide exactly. But, but what did seem to change the tide was when Theo McFarland just decided he wanted Saracens to win. He went, oh, actually, I think I want to win this game. And he won the game for them. He became completely unstoppable. Theo McFarland... I complained about commentators in the past wanking off um, about him too much, but he is special. That first try he scored, I think he only scored one try actually, but the try he scored physically was incredible. I mean, the pace, the agility, the, the strength, the, the smell, it's all good. Um, Elliot Daly. And now here's an Eddie versus Eddie moment. This is classic, classic Eddie Jones. Elliot Daly was getting picked on reputation, not form, for a long time. He kept putting him in the England team. Didn't deserve to be there. Hadn't done anything. Now, easily would be in my uh, premiership back three in some position. You'd have to get him in there. He's been playing incredibly well. So he's nowhere near the England squad, as far as I can tell. Um, His goal kicking, by the way, I think I heard a commentator. I think Austin Healy mentioned this. And I've been thinking this for a while. Every time he takes one of these insane 60 meter uh, kicks at goal, he nails it. I don't remember the la- I don't remember seeing him miss. And these are really long, really difficult kicks. And it makes you wonder why doesn't he just take all the kicks? If it's that easy, surely it's not easier for him to kick from his own half than in the other team's half. And, it- and if he's that consistent, I don't- I'm not sure why he never kicks goals for Saracens. Anyway. Elliot Daly's been great. He's also my fantasy team. Thank God. Uh, oh, I noticed there was a Tommy Taylor, the sail hooker, scored a try, then had it disallowed because he crawled over the try line. I have two things to say about this. First of all, why did he think he could do that? It always blow my, blows my mind when I see players get tackled 
and then crawl over the tri-lane. Then I got confused and I thought, was he held? Was he completely held? And I think the referee said he wasn't held, but he still crawls over the tri-lane, which can't do because there was a tackle and you have to release and get up. I think you should be allowed to crawl once you're down. Why not? What is the problem? It's one of these weird laws that don't really make sense to me. It's like, oh, once you're tackled, uh, you got to... Well, fuck it. I can't be... I, as I was saying that, I started disagreeing with myself and, and started realizing the flaw in my logic. Let's just forget that I said it. Uh, it's not important. But Saracens ended up winning that game. Um, I was a little bit disappointed because I like this sale. Um, I like sale. Uh, I don't know why I like sale doing well, but I do. Um, I like the way that Alex Sanderson has had them playing this really gritty, determined. I don't want to call it Northern rugby, um, but I just like the way they play. I like their big pack. I like Dan Dupree is fucking immense. Um, by the way, has Dan Dupree played for South Africa? I think he has. Shit. Fuck him. Um, anyway. There was a match that I missed, and I'm just going to quickly see what it was to see if I can remember. When I say I missed, that I forgot to make notes on is what I what I mean. And if I can if I can find it, I will tell you. Uh, oh, it was Gloucester against Exeter, of course. Gloucester beating Chiefs and looking incredible. Um, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember enough details about that match. Um, I do want to say really quickly. I watch all my rugby in the US. I can watch it live if I'm available. Watch it on Peacock, the channel. Ironically, when I was in England, I couldn't watch rugby live because the Peacock app I use does not work over there. And the only way I could watch the rugby was on the, the, Premiership, the Gallagher Premiership website, Premiership TV or whatever it's called, on a 24-hour delay, which was very annoying. But anyway... um. I'm sure I'm forgetting something really important. I would love to say what my England team would be for uh, this match against Argentina. Maybe I'll, maybe I will very quickly do that. I don't know if I, no, do you know what? I'm not going to do it because if I do it, I'll listen back later and I'll be, and I'll know I fucked up and forgot somebody because I need to put more, um, more effort into this. I'm just quickly clicking on the headline for Courtney Laws ruled out. Um, I thought he was already out. So there we go. Um, there's some strange names in there. I'm looking at the England squad right now. There's some strange names in here. Um, one thing's for sure. Eddie Jones will pick a very boring England team. It will be Marcus Smith, Owen Farrell, and Manu Tualangi. I'm sure it will be Joe Thock and a singer on one wing and probably Caden Murley on the other, although he might go with Jack Knoll. And not even have Caden Murley in the team, in the squad. I could totally see him doing that. It's um, Sean Robinson at Newcastle was brought in. I thought he was a second row. Let's take a quick look. I know I I, I, I acted like I was ending the podcast then, didn't I? But I tricked you. Let's see. Sean Robinson. Uh, rugby. Let's see. What position does he primarily play? Oh. See, I'm looking at him, and I don't even recognize him. He's not even familiar looking. Uh, what, what, what is he? Why can't I see it anywhere? Okay, here we go. Sean Robinson, rugby union player. He plays. Won't tell me. 
Well, he's six foot four, so presumably he is a back rower. It says lock and flanker. I must have just seen him play at lock at some point. But looking at his career, he's played for Newcastle since 2014. He's 31. And that's it. You explain it to me. I don't know how he's being picked. Um, Hugh Tizard, I find that a little bit strange. Well, fuck it. Anyway, um, I could give you promises like I'll be back at a more timely um, time <laughs> next week, but I can't. I'm sick of doing that because I keep letting you down. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe I'll be back on on a Tuesday. Maybe not. I don't know. Leave me alone. Um, thank you. Goodbye.